Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. As we look at this message, uh, the heart is, you know, just sort of, you know, you have an opportunity to pray and to speak into the situation uh, that's going on in the world and to speak into uh, how we as a church uh, deal with things in our lives. And, and there are all kinds of different things that I wanted to do or I thought of doing, but uh, what seemed really important as I prayed was to, to just do what a pastor should do and, and prepare us for whatever. Um, we know that uh, life has all kinds of different things uh, that can meet us. We can be met with incredible joy, or we can be met with incredible pain. And in this time that's coming ahead for us uh, with COVID-19, uh, the, the bottom line is we just don't know. Uh, we know that there are parts of the world that have endured great suffering. We think we're going to see uh, tremendous suffering in Africa. Um, we've seen suffering in Italy and in China, and we know that we could well experience uh, great suffering and loss here as well. So we want to be, as, as a community, prepared for whatever God has for us. And again, maybe it's going to be a blip. Maybe this is an enforced holiday. Uh, but it's very likely or, or quite probable that it could be uh, something more. And so as a pastor, I want to prepare us to stand uh, for whatever, stand in whatever it is that God uh, wants us to go through together. So I'm just going to read this text. This is Jesus uh, and his disciples just before the time when he endures the cross. And he goes to a garden that he had frequently visited to pray. And he prays there and he has an encounter with his disciples, an encounter with the Lord in prayer. And we just want to walk through that because that's a preparation uh, for him and a preparation for the disciples for what was ahead uh, for him in his life. So let's just read uh, from Matthew uh, chapter 26, 36 to uh, 45. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Um. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep. And take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. I'm just going to look at Matthew uh, 26, verse 36 first. And we're just going to go through this verse by verse because there's just wisdom in it for us. 
Um, so this first thought, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. As I said before, that's a place that Jesus had visited uh, several times with his disciples. It was a familiar place to them. And the image that you see on your screen here is um, a church that's been raised over the spot where they think that Jesus prayed. And historically, of course, we have no idea if this is really true. But when I was in Israel, I actually sat right there uh, by this little thing and, and prayed. And with like a tour guide kind of glaring at me, I reached over and I touched the rock and was able to sort of like say in my head, man, I am possibly touching, well, it's just a rock. It could be any rock. Um, but I, I, I touched this place in this crazy church with all kinds of sort of religious symbols and all of it around uh, me. And what was present to me in that moment was this, uh, I, I something the tour guide had said was that Gethsemane being an olive grove was a place where oil was pressed. And what I recognized was that place uh, where Jesus was with his disciples was a place of pressing, a place of crushing. Like Jesus uh, was allowing his disciples to be pressed in that moment, to have a tightness come around them. Uh, the reality of the future they were about to endure, uh, they were going to come into some awareness of it and something was going to come out of them. And it could be good or it could be bad, but they were in this place of pressing. And so uh, when, when that had happened, when they got there, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And just the thought is, you know, he, he said some of his disciples sort of on the edge of the garden and some of his disciples he took a little further into the garden and some of them, and then by himself he went a little further into the garden. But just that idea that there's a, there was a three within the twelve. There's Peter, James, and John that were sort of his tightest friends among the disciples. And he was just able to take that and, uh, and, and recognize that there is a time and there are moments in life when you need to have your close people around you uh, where you can be authentically real, where you can be troubled, and where you can be sorrowful. And he was able to do that and to take that space and, and be there with them. And I just remember a time in ministry where uh, I was there. I was in that space of being sorrowful and troubled. And it was just a few years ago. I was at a meeting, and it was a hard meeting. And it was a meeting that I came away from with some pain. And it was a, a, a crossroads moment for me sort of in, in ministry. And I, I got in the car, and I went to drive home. And I just pulled the car over and I opened up my laptop and I wrote my letter of resignation really quick and simple, uh, addressed it to my board team and was very, very close to hitting send. But just in a moment of like pause, I, uh, I, I went and, and went to the home of friends and uh, I walked in the door and shared a little bit of my struggle, a little bit of the, the wrestle, a little bit of the doubt and fear that I was going through. And I'll never forget that, um, that moment where uh, I received a 30-second hug and a 30-second prayer that absolutely uh, reversed and changed my trajectory as a person. They were people that I could be broken with, that I could be sorrowful with, and I could be troubled with. And in that moment of, of a hug and a prayer, uh, that intimacy and that safety 
uh, I deleted my resignation and I'm standing here today. Maybe some of you wish I hadn't, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just life. Uh, we need those people around us. I want to just say to you in the middle of COVID-19 where we're all separate, um, you still need for what is coming, whatever is coming, whatever you have to endure in life, maybe it's financial hardship, whatever it is, uh, you need people around you. Um, that you can be real with. And maybe you can't get in their homes, but you need to get on the phone. You need to uh, start a Zoom call. You need to interact in whatever way you can uh, to let those relationships grow and to let intimacy uh, happen uh, so that you can have people with you in those hard moments. So that's the first thing you need to prepare for whatever is ahead is you need people with you. You need relationships. So encourage you to learn about relationship building, to encourage uh, reaching out. And going on uh, to verse 38, it says this, For he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Um, Listen, Jesus was in absolutely the center of God's will. He was exactly where God wanted him. And he was sorrowful even to death, like deep abiding sorrow and sadness and pain. And this describes the life of Jesus as it was prophesied about him in Isaiah uh, chapter 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That was a part of his identity, a part of who he was. You can find grief and pain and be in the very center of God's will. And that's what Jesus modeled for us. Uh, in fact, if we look ahead to uh, Paul's teaching in Philippians, it says this, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And elsewhere it says, that, oh, and this is the, the, the song of the early church, oh, that we would be counted worthy to suffer for the name. Like, this is the death of the prosperity gospel. (laughs) Like, there's no prosperity gospel here. Like, hashtag blessed. Like, hashtag blessed. Like, awesome. Life is so good. I met Jesus. Everything is perfect. Now, when we meet Jesus, our lives can be better. Like, he teaches us. He grows us. We learn to endure life uh, in, in, in good and healthy ways. That's absolutely awesome. But part of what we do with him is we enter into his suffering. We take up his cross. And so there are stories of God absolutely blessing us. Somebody actually called me yesterday and told an amazing story that in the middle of the uncertainty of this time financially that they're experiencing, they decided to tithe for the very first time uh, last week. And it was a huge moment for them. And literally, like one of these sort of miracle stories, like literally uh, a day later, they received uh, a call from a lawyer who said that uh, that they had um, a settlement with uh, with an estate that they were sort of unaware anything would happen. And, and they received like a significant amount of money that was going to pay off their bills and make a difference. Like God hashtag blessed them as they were obedient. Like sometimes those are real deal stories, but sometimes as we're obedient, we suffer. And Anna and I, we have story after story of times when God has blessed us. And there are times when we've been obedient and given, uh, even uh, when, it's, when it's hurt. And, and, the, and the end result of generosity for us has been in some ways financial struggle, right? So you can be in a place of God's will and be blessed in a place of excellence and a place of joy in a place of good things happening, and sometimes you can be in the center of God's will and be in the middle of deep, deep sorrow. Uh, God is sovereign. He is king. And we want to uh, be granted 
whatever it is that he's granting. Uh, that word granted in the text in Philippians is like an extension of favor, a gift or grace. So, oh Lord, that you would give me the favor or the grace of suffering for the sake of Christ. That doesn't sound like fun. But to the early church, uh, knowing what they knew about the resurrection, that sounded like grace. And it goes on uh, in verse 39. It says, going along a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. And being in agony, and this is picking up a piece from the story as it's told in Luke 22. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Um, Like crazy. Like imagine the intensity of prayer that is... um, you're praying so intensely your blood pressure is up and it is somehow pushing fluid through your capillaries that blood is mixed with your tears. I don't even know. I can't even imagine what that looks like, but imagine the intensity of the love and grace and power and authority and pain with which Jesus prayed in that moment. Like that's the real deal. And what he's modeling for you there is that it is allowable for uh, your prayer life to reflect your pain. It is allowable and it is normal. It is real life for your prayer life to to reflect your pain. We don't just pray only in joy. We don't just make up, oh, hallelujah, I'm not really hurting. Hallelujah, God, it's just great. Everything's just great. It's awesome. Everything's awesome. There are moments where we enter into and and embrace the real pains and struggles of life, and we bring those before the Father. Uh, Psalm uh, 13 is is an example where uh, the psalmist David is like, God, why have you abandoned me? Like, where have you gone? Like, like you're distant. I can't feel you. I can't hear you. I, I don't know what's going on. Where are you, God? But that's real deal interaction with God in that place. A uh, story goes on, and uh, Jesus is praying, and he says, uh, now, he, now he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm being honest with you, Father. You're seeing the pain that's coming out of me. You're seeing the wrestle that I have here. Uh, now, if it be possible, this is what I want, God, let this cup pass from me. And this is an interesting one all by itself. Like, if it is possible, like Jesus and God didn't have a relationship where Jesus knew whether it was possible or not. But he's like, hey, God, I know that this is the trajectory I've been on my whole life, that I was going to suffer and die. I know that I'm the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But hey, if we could just change up the plan a little bit here, that would be great. Can you just, like, rewrite uh, all of the prophecy that happened in the Old Testament for me? Because this moment is looking brutal and I just don't want to do it. If it's possible, would you let this cup pass for me? And that's an authentic way in which we pray sometimes. We sometimes we pray in difficult circumstances for deliverance. But then he goes on, he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. And we look at uh, a life of, of prayer and we see on the screen here uh, that we're going forward in life onto uh, whatever God has for us. And we, we can sometimes look at this road here and think, I want to jump off. I don't want to endure the suffering that, is, that is, I, I see there before me. So let this cup pass for me. Jesus, will you deliver me? Uh, the other option here is that I could uh, endure as you will and I could go through this hard thing. And I want to notice this place of nevertheless. This place where it's like, 
okay, this is what I want. This is what I have. This is my dream. This is my vision, God. But I'm surrendering it. I am laying it down. And it's just so important and so good for us to be in that place of honesty where we are just honestly saying to the Lord what it is that is on our heart, what it is that we want, yet having something in us that is surrendering that what we want for what he wants. I'll read you this quote. Uh, the prayer of integrity lives in the nevertheless. The space where the expression of our will worshipfully bows to the acceptance of his. It lives in the truthful, hope-filled space that neither denies our cry nor his sovereignty. It invites his presence to deliver us or to help us endure. That prayer in the space of the nevertheless uh, puts us in his hands. And again, we've seen stories, like I talked about financially, we've seen financial miracle stories and financial struggle stories. We've seen healing from sickness stories, and we've seen endure unto death stories, all in the center of the sovereign will of God. But the beauty of living in the nevertheless moment is that whether he is delivering you, he is present to you, or whether he is uh, causing you to endure, he is present to you. No matter what is happening in your life, be it a struggle or a victory, God can be present to you and near you and with you. And that is the treasure in the situation. That is the glory. That is the beauty. And that is where we want to live. Do we want to have deliverance or do we want to have endurance? Or do we want to have a third option? And the text goes on to show us that third option. Deliverance or endurance. And then we get to the story of the disciples, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And to be honest, uh, that's where we live so much of the time. Uh, we can look at a, a difficult future or a question ahead of us, a difficult time, and we can absolutely turn off the wrestle and we can medicate. And for us, it can be just bathing ourselves in hours and hours of streaming media. It can be bathing ourselves in alcohol or, or drugs. It can be turning that off. It can be seeking other pursuits that have nothing to do with him. It can be sports. It can be whatever it is. We can take that moment, that potential future that we have with God, and we can just go to sleep and not endure and not wrestle with it. And Jesus sort of comes to the disciples and he says to Peter, so could you not just watch and tarry with me one hour? Because Peter turned that whole thing off. He turned off the let this cup pass. He turned off the cry for deliverance. He turned off the option of endurance. He turned off not my will, but yours be done. And he just had a nap. And we have to live in a place where we are awake to the struggle. We are awake to pain. We are awake to victory. We are awake to joy. Uh, we have to engage as people. We have to stand up and rise up and be the church in this moment. We can't just fade away and have a nap. God has a unique 
purpose and a unique calling for us as a people in this space and in this time. So Jesus found the disciples uh, sleeping, and he found them sleeping three times in this text. And I won't read the rest of it again or go too deeper into it just for the sake of time, but he found them sleeping three times, and that's a parallel to Jesus finding Peter denying him three times. Peter slept through three moments of wrestling in prayer with Jesus, and he denied Jesus three times. It's an intentional parallel in the text. And the, the truth that we can take from that is that if we choose avoidance, if we choose to be sleeping people, and we choose it over the wrestling, we won't have the presence when the crisis comes. That was Peter's struggle. He avoided the presence in the wrestling of his heart, and he didn't have the presence uh, when the moment came when he needed to rise up. And of course Jesus forgave him, and of course Jesus reinstated him. Peter, three times, feed my sheep. We see that later on in the story. So of course he's restored. Of course there's forgiveness. Of course there's grace. Of course there's reconciliation. But we don't want to go through the period of denial. We just don't want to do that. We don't want to be sleepers. We want to be awake. We want to be standing. So the question just remains for us to close is just this. How did Jesus choose the hard thing? And we look to Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Uh, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So we ask the Lord for vision to see beyond the suffering, to see the victory, to see beyond it, to see the joy beyond the cross, to see reconciliation, forgiveness, uh, redemption, resurrection, and life uh, flowing. That's what we're looking for. And that's what our culture is actually looking for, too. Uh, an incredible quote from uh, Dostoevsky reads like this. This is not necessarily a Christian person speaking, but he's looking at the pain of the world and saying, hey, what's, what's coming ahead for us here? And this is how he puts it together. He just sort of takes a step out of sort of the misery that he's in and sort of takes a step of faith. He says this, I believe like a child that suffering will be healed and made up for. That all the humiliating absurdity of human contradictions will vanish like a pitiful mirage. Like what a statement of faith for somebody who doesn't necessarily know Christ. Like the despicable fabrication of the impotent and infinitely small Euclidean mind of man. That means man's mind in three dimensions. That we as people, Euclidean, uh, we have only the ability to see three dimensions, but we need the ability to see into God's dimension. That in the world's finale, at a moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass that it will suffice for all hearts. The comforting of all resentments, for the atonement of all the crimes of humanity, for all the blood that they've shed, that it will make not only possible to forgive, but to justify all that's happened. And he looks for some mystical, magical moment where all things will be made right. I just want to say to you, um, there is only one way to get to Dostoevsky's moment of eternal harmony where something precious will come to pass. You have to give your life to Jesus. You have to say, 
not my will, but yours be done. You have to come to that place in your life of surrender where you know the difficulty is coming. You know you've got challenges ahead of you. Uh, You know that the Christian journey is not necessarily going to be the easy journey. You know it's not going to result in you just getting to seek your pleasures and receive uh, your own uh, gifts and your own affirmation all the time, that you're giving your life over to somebody who is a Lord, who is a leader, who will actually lead you somewhere and has something to say about your life. But if you give your life to him, then you go through that time of carrying the cross and you meet the resurrection. If you're here uh, for the the first time, if you're somebody who's wrestling with Christianity, I promise you this journey is not easy. We are not calling you to sunshine and lollipops. My journey has not been sunshine and lollipops, uh, and and many of us have struggled, and there may be great struggle ahead as we stand for the gospel. We don't know what life has for us, but not my will, but yours, and the end result of that is resurrection and joy and glory and eternity with him, and I want to invite you into that, Uh, but you have to go through the suffering. You can't be a sleeper. So how do you prepare uh, for whatever is ahead? You just bring some friends, find some friends, and you go through the wrestle. And you know that he's going to lead you through. I'm just going to invite Jake to come and just uh, share a couple of words and um, and really just to lead us in a prayer, especially for any of you that are here and, and dialed in and listening and, uh, and feeling like, man, salvation is something I need to engage with. I need to think about the Jesus story more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Um, yeah. Um, I guess I, I guess I want to just lead us in a prayer. And I was thinking about just leading this moment this morning and, um, I had an interesting thought and, and especially if you're somebody like kind of who Aaron's talking to, just if maybe you're questioning, like, is my faith real or is God real or is this thing real at all? Like if, if you're at a place where you're not convinced, um, I think it's really neat that we kind of have the safety and security of being behind our screens right now. And I, I don't mean that in a funny way. Like I really mean that as we lead you in this prayer, you have the freedom to be able to choose um, to God, if you're real, there's no emotional hype around me right now. I'm not just looking to fit in with a big crowd of people and going with the motions. I'm not going to go to an altar call because a bunch of people are going to watch me. It's kind of you and whoever you're with in your living room right now. And um, if you want to choose to ask God if he's real, if you want to actually open yourself up to that, I mean, you're either crazy or you're going to meet someone real in your house. (laughs) Does that make sense? And um, so I guess I just, I guess I'll just lead us in a prayer, but I just encourage you wherever you're at, dare to take, dare to open up and, um, you know, I, I really, we, we want to say, we really believe that God's in your house <laughs> and God's, God's available to you wherever you're at. It's not about being in a certain building. It's not about getting your life together before you can come to him. Even in your current state where you are right now, he's available. And, um, if you want to start that journey where you say, God, you're, you're my Lord. I actually want to follow you. I want to let the decision making, let you lead me. Uh, let's, let's just pray together. Um, Maybe you can repeat after me or just use your own words, but I guess we're saying, God, um, I want to know if you're real. I want to connect with you. Your word is saying, the Bible or these people are saying that you're available to me. 
And in this time, I just want to say that I want to open myself up and say, if you're real, I need you. I need you actually to save me. I want to turn my, my life over to you. The things I've done in my life that have kept me from you, I want to turn from. I'm sorry for those things. And God, if, uh, would you show yourself to me? Would you help me? I need you right now. And Father, I just pray for us and for everybody listening that um, you would connect with each of us in our homes, that we would, whether we're even, maybe we're all Christians watching, but for all of us, would we have a, a, a rekindling or an understanding of, of how close you are, um, of, of the eternal perspective we're talking about here, the big picture, that, that life that Jesus knew where he was persevering even when it meant great suffering. He saw something worth dying for. And we're asking that you'd open our eyes to see something bigger than ourselves, bigger than our own life and our, or our own blessing here. There really is a great reward in it. It's just not in material or a blessing here in this life. Would you open our eyes to see the kingdom of God, as you call it, Jesus? Help us to see that treasure hidden in the field that you say is worth everything. For everybody here this morning, all, all across Carlton Place, even people that may not be tuned in, Father, we pray that you would meet with us. We pray that we would open our hearts to say, God, I need you. We want to connect with you more, even if we've made that first step before. We want to connect with you and open up in our living rooms. Thank you that our homes, our kitchens, they're sanctuaries, because you're there. That's what matters. So I thank you, God. I pray for anybody who's made that step here this morning, that they would they'd find you in your word. They would be connected. They would have those friends to work out their salvation with, like Aaron talked about. Some of us, finding friends is a difficult thing. It's not an easy thing. Would you connect us, even in a time where we maybe can't even meet in person for a little while? Would you connect us, Father? We pray for unity in the church in this time, unity for, for everybody. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.